My name is Rob Auchincloss, and this is the Holocene Podcast, where we seek knowledge of the most creative, adventurous, and bright among us. These individuals are storytellers, entrepreneurs, athletes, designers, and everything else in between. It is my job as the host to take what they have each learned in their own lives and codify their knowledge that you can use their lessons in your own life. This episode of the Holocene Podcast is sponsored by our magazine, which essentially is a print-only collection of our favorite stories and images and ideas from around the world about the human experience. You can use code PODCAST at checkout to receive 15% off our first issue. Today, and I'm going to apologize in advance because I always butcher German names, I am joined by Carolyn Unrath. Carolyn is a commercial and documentary photographer from Southern Germany. The subject areas in which she professionally and passionately is involved are lifestyle, sports, and documentary photography. Her work has been published and exhibited internationally, and she regularly photographs models, athletes, and documentaries for outdoor brands and campaign for advertising agencies. When Carolyn is not taking photos in South Africa or in the high desert of Namibia, she is pursuing her profession on high mountains like the Dolomites or big cities like Milan, Munich, or Vienna. Carolyn studied fine arts and multimedia at LMU Munich and has already worked with well-known clients such as BMW, Mini, Merrill, Telecom, and Leica. She finds her balance and inspiration while race cycling, ski touring, mountaineering, and within music. And Carolyn won a few very well-known photography awards slash events, Red Bull Loom in 2021, which we'll talk about heavily in this episode, as well as an exhibit for Leica in 2021 as well. I hope you all enjoy this conversation between myself and Carolyn Unrath. Life is either an incredible adventure or it's nothing at all. Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, thank you for having me. And yeah, we finally got together and <laughs> have a chat today. So we're really excited yeah. about it. Yeah. I think this has been what, nine or 10 months in the in the making yeah. to get this going. So um, I start off every podcast by asking the same question, which is what is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? I think it's coffee, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like more the chilled coffee drinker and it's like the slow start into the morning and doing nothing but drinking coffee. <laughs> doing yeah. nothing. So you'll just, you'll just make your coffee and sit there and enjoy. Yeah. And like yeah. Just sit way, and enjoy. Or... And when I have like really stressful days, I'm like all over the place and it's just mm -hmm. not the, the yeah calm coffee scene. So, yeah. So, in, in preparation for these stressful days, um, just to kind of give the audience a, an idea of not only what you work on day to day, but kind of what you spend your time doing, how would you describe the work you do now to your eight-year-old self? So first of all, I'm like a photographer working in the advertisement industry. So it's like, like the work, like I'm the work who like the things I'm doing is like really different from day to day. So it can be like being traveling on the road. So for example, going to a shoot, which is like not in your city you're living in. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it can also be like sitting in front of the computer doing like all the mails and uh, uh, conversations with clients. And also another important part is like doing the editing of the pictures. 
and so it can be like really like like there's a lot of variety into it and so yeah it's uh yeah stressful in uh, like different parts for example like the things i would say like like the most stressful part for me is like traveling and keeping all the things together like uh, you need to pack the right camera equipment uh, because i also work like a lot of uh, times in like outdoor scenery so you don't have to only bring the camera equipment and you also have to bring like all the adventure stuff uh, the mountaineering gear and mm -hmm. yeah that's what like you have to think about like uh, of a lot of things and yeah from from shoot to shoot it's getting easier and easier <laughs> but there are like always new circumstances or like uh, yeah uh, different things you need to think about so I guess the first question to kind of break down this, because mm -hmm. I, I want to kind of dive deep into what you yeah. spend your time on. How did, how did you get into it? Like, is this something that you decided one day you want to do? Did you fall into it accidentally? Like what, what prompted this interest or this career? Um, yeah. So back in high school, actually, I did uh, like a lot of music. So I was like in different orchestras. I was in a big choir and we did like, a lot of international competitions and also like like concert tours around the globe and that's where i basically started to have like a small camera with me to just yeah take some pictures and show my family where we went or um yeah to keep some memories for myself and like at some point i just realized oh man it's like <laughs> more than just a hobby or i definitely want to do this like for real and mm -hmm. then I was between like becoming a um, designer or I'm going to just study something with photography. And then I found this like pretty new um, like um, thing to study in Munich. It was called like Fine Arts and Multimedia. And it was hmm. basically all from painting to photography to uh, like design and it was a big mixture of everything and I think then I realized hey it could be really cool to do this like full-time and mm -hmm. so yeah that's where it all started basically yeah that's awesome so when let's kind of break this down so you were an orchestra what what instrument were you playing uh, the flute <laughs> the flute yeah. um yeah. and do you do you still play or is it something that you kind of moved on um, from or? yeah i think I, I moved a little bit on because um mm -hmm. i was even like studying it like in one of my main subjects and everything and mm -hmm. i it was like a huge part of my life but you also need to have like this consistency like with going to like the orchestra and uh, mm -hmm. participating like in a concert or like uh, yeah like competitions like like such as you're an athlete and you're doing sports kind of and that's why yeah it's really hard for me right now because i don't have like this um consistency in my life because there's mm -hmm. like the production then you're home again and yeah that's why it's hard and like just playing for yourself is like not the same when you just experience like the opposite so yeah totally and, and yeah. as someone who, you know, myself, I did a lot of heavy music around that same time mm -hmm. age. You, basically, there's a decision you have to make at some point where yeah. if you want to go pro, 
and be in like an orchestra, like it exactly. goes from being a casual thing to like a full-time all-consuming thing, you know? Yes. Um, which <laughs> yeah, is uh, which the problem. I, I have like a lot of friends who went pro and who are doing like a really nice job and they are also touring around uh, like different cities, different countries. And it's nice to see, but I've, I kind of found my way into photography, which I think also has like a lot of synchronous synchronicities like to music or like how we managed to do like also the concert tours and everything and yeah so that's cool. that's the new way <laughs> for me. yeah no i mean it, it makes sense um and then so at what what point did you think that this could be like a real career where where you went from like hey i love i i you know you went to school you kind of spent more time went deeper into this idea of spending time working with media working with photos working with etc right when at what point did you realize oh wow i can actually do this full time if i want to i think i was like super enthusiastic about it like i was like seeking knowledge from everywhere and then i just uh, had like a conversation with my professor in university and she was asking me hey I just see like you were just like you were combining like everything with photography and then she gave me like a project it was like for Ari like I think a lot of people in the industry know Ari but it's mm -hmm. like yeah like they do the film cameras and they actually like have a base in Munich like the the main base and mm -hmm. so then it was like hey you can do like portraits of like all the employees working with like the nice sky panels the lightnings and oh, wow. i was like oh that sounds nice and really big <laughs> so i was like i had like no clue back then and then they sent me like to the factory where they like building the sky panels and everything and then all the um like uh, like the the workers they just told me like everything about it and like all the know-how and then they just um yeah i had like a week of uh, knowledge seeking over there wow. and then it was like hey uh, now you can portray like all the people over the next six months and yeah it was a nice project and in the end they told me hey uh, you can be like a working student for us or you were going self-employed and we can pay you a little bit more money so it was really nice in the end and i just yeah jumped into it and after that point i realized hey uh, i did such a nice project and i definitely want to do like more of this and yeah continue doing so totally yeah no ari is definitely one of the world leading you know, yeah. cinema and, and high quality, you know, camera companies. And I actually forgot they're in Germany. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, in Munich, um, especially, yeah. but, yeah. um, that's cool. So, so do you think that, you know, do you think you would have been on the path you're on now if you still hadn't got that internship or that kind of job with Ari? Do you think you would still have been as successful or you think that was like really like the moment you realized that this was a thing? Um, I think I would still be on the path, but it, maybe it like took me longer to realize i want to go safe and fine. so i think it mm -hmm. was a really good point at this time because i was just like okay shit i want to finish my studies and uh, i was quickly doing everything <laughs> and 
then I just wanted to have like the time to like focus all on photography and yeah so I think it would be the same but like not that fast <laughs> got of. it yeah that makes sense cool um and then so you actually won one of the categories at Red Bull Illum back in what 2021 yeah 21 yes and did, so did, was, was that a massive shift? And so for people that aren't aware, um, Red Bull Illum is one of like probably the most well-known international photo competitions. Um, you know, it has a lot of uh, media coverage. It's viewed by people around the world. Um, it's considered a very prestigious honor. So do, was, was that a moment in your career or at the beginning of your career where you realized like, you know, it really helped you land more work and become more recognized or, you know, how, how was that experience? It was like uh, such a nice like opportunity or like I never thought about that this will be happening actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it was a really nice experience because also of the um, like the exhibition part of all the project because like we had such a nice tour and the pictures were like going around the world. And mm -hmm. I also visited like the photo week in Berlin where I had a speech and everything like this. So it was nice also to have this part, which is normally not like the, the typical things I do <laughs> uh, yeah. when I talk about my work. And then it was like really nice for a lot of my outdoor clients, which I already had because they were like super stoked and they were like, oh my God, we have like a US hour photographer and we are so honored kind of, and it was like really nice. And then um, there was also like new, like especially people from the outdoor industry, I think, reaching out to me saying, hey, that's really cool. And also like um, for blogs and magazines, um, for storytelling. And yeah, I think also um, like I inspired a lot of people going to the Eisbach in Munich mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, to take such kind of photos and so it was definitely yeah. a nice, um, I don't know, like milestone kind of, and uh, nice, yeah, really nice event. So that, that's uh, the the photo that won, and I will I'll I'll link it below in the show notes. People can quickly look at it for reference. But for just to kind of paint a quick picture, it has this individual in a wetsuit holding a surfboard in a subway station with the subway basically whizzing by the platform. Um, and you know, to, to some people that don't know, like there are actually places in Munich you can surf. So I don't, I actually, I always had this question for you. Like, was that a, a, a photo that you planned or that you staged or was it with someone that was going to surf at the spot in the park or like what, what was the kind of, you know, impetus so for that? I just need to go like a little bit further. So when sure. I moved to Munich for studying, it was like so weird sometimes because for me, I also knew like there's the river wave, but. I never mm -hmm. knew back then that it was like so popular and that like there are like people surfing there every day. So um, then I just realized, hey, okay, there are like surfers in the U-Bahn or you see like people cycle through the city with their surfboards on the bicycle. So um, this was really nice for like uh, such a confused thing sometimes because you're like not at the ocean <laughs> and you see people going around with their surfboards. So, um, yeah, and I think that's where the idea grew, like kind of 
I was thinking about different projects in this kind of way. And then I met Andy uh, and in the beginning of 2020. He's actually a commercial model. He's also a founder and he's a passionate surfer. So he just told me that he's like always on the ice bath. He also surfs quite a lot in Portugal and everything. And then there was like the COVID lockdown and it was so interesting what kind of things sometimes were like allowed or not allowed and for example like surfing on the ice bath was not allowed even if it was hmm. an outdoor thing and yeah and then he was like super sad and he was like oh man i just can't go surfing right now and we were texting um during this time quite a lot and then he was uh, telling me like the wave is opening but it's still closed for visitors because Normally the spot is like super crowded and a lot it of is, people yeah. just go there and watch the surface. And then, um, yeah, I was just like, hey, Andy, I come with you. And I just want to take some photos of the wave without any people standing around. And then actually it was quite a really dark and gray day. We had like quite a lot of rain. And then I just said to Andy, because what was also like really like utopia at this point um, when they just uh, did like all the mask mandates it was pretty new and then i was like oh my god let's go to the let's go with the um, uh, metro to the ice bath <laughs> and mm -hmm. you would just go with your wetsuit you take your cap and you have to wear a mask and it yeah. was like all the things coming together and i was like okay that's a shot <laughs> that's nice but in the beginning it wasn't planned that is that like this is the one shot like kind of and actually i was just telling andy hey just stand there i take a picture when the um, uh, metro was coming and then we just waited for another train because we have like on this lane we have like the old and the new trains <laughs> mm -hmm. and so um yeah there was a new one coming they're like all they're so light and and not that nice and i was just saying to andy hey just one more round with an old train and then we go on the train and go to the river wave so yeah and then in the end i think i had like four pictures of this one and mm -hmm. yeah this was the final one <laughs> and then i submitted it and that's how it basically got into red balloon and yeah wow that's awesome that's story. <laughs> and and for people who don't aren't aware like red bull loom not only is the work shown around the world in different physical locations but they make a book uh for every single year of the competition you know you kind of live on on their website so you you always have that existence and i'm sure it yeah it really helped kind of you know continue to push that career you know for yeah you. yeah it's it's super nice like from the trophy to the book to the prints and yeah like the like a 360 kind of uh, project <laughs> yeah and yeah for sure Super and i'm nice. sure it's paid you know plenty of dividends since yeah um so when you so you you kind of gave us a little purview into how you go about thinking and planning and shoots so i guess my question is because a lot of the shoots you do these days are on location in pretty remote or wild places you know what what's the lead up to that look like for you like how, how do you prep for that how do you prepare like what is the what is what is your process basically yes so 
like in the first place it always depends like if there's a client reaching out to me if there's an agency reaching out to me or if there's a production company reaching out to me because like sometimes when it's just a client without an agency or any production then i basically have to do like all the things by myself so yeah i have a budget and then i can just look like okay how like how everything fits into the budget and um like how many models location like how we get there like travel costs like everything <laughs> and sometimes there uh, there's also clients who do like those things in-house and they organize everything they have nice contacts like especially outdoor brands they know like mountain guides and then they organize everything for you and then you don't have to think that much about everything <laughs> and then there are also like agencies and productions who plan really good for you but in the end you also you have like the breathing and you need to think like okay for like those results i need those things this equipment and yeah so different scenarios <laughs> yeah. interesting so is there is there a is there a shoot recently that you went on that was just, you know, incredibly logistically intense to plan out and yes, to work out? Yes. <laughs> I think it's actually when we had another chat and when I was texting you, hey, I can't do a podcast right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a shoot, a really nice shoot actually for solar panels for Checkery. Like the campaign is already out now. And mm -hmm. it's it was like they just wanted the whole big camping setup in Europe, like more the American way. And it's not that easy to do such things in Europe because uh, first of all, you're not allowed to go like wild camping or go with the car to nice nature sceneries, like especially in Italy, mm -hmm. Austria, Germany, and like the countries close by basically. And then they, we also needed like three different camping cars and with the camping cars we also needed to have like all the uh yeah yeah things you need to go when you go camping basically like from chairs and tables to uh sleeping bags and everything and then we also need to organize like we have like we had like different models and then they wanted a specific type of model and yeah so it was like a really long list of props we call it and mm -hmm. also like logistically like being in an area where there's not that much <laughs> and because it's a like really shoot you book the models they also have like their like eight to ten hours per day so to make sure they get in the hotel room by time <laughs> because we actually mm -hmm. were not allowed to do like a real camping scenario and yeah that's why it's sometimes really hard to do like all the things logistically <laughs> and yeah, uh, practice. So, but I think we did a great job and <laughs> yeah, everything went perfectly actually. Yes. That's awesome. So I guess I'm just trying to think about this out loud. Um, mm -hmm. When you go on these trips, and you're working with talent, right? Which is always a whole nother ball game, right? It's different from you're working with a friend, right? Yeah, and working yeah. with someone that you're paying to be there, obviously. Um, 
what what kind of tips so I'm, I'm sure some people listening to this podcast will be young up and coming photographers i'm sure there'll be people up here that are legacy photographers that already know this but like what tips would you have to someone just getting started out working with talent because obviously like i've done it i know you've done it it's it's very challenging at first and you feel like you're walking on mars right yeah um so like do you have any good insight or tips or feedback with, for someone that's just mm -hmm. trying to figure it out and get started? Yeah. So like I just take the shoot as an example again. Um, here it was really important for me to have someone who's like cool, happy, funny <laughs> and mm -hmm. easygoing. Like with like, I just told them, Hey, we are doing kind of an adventure and you, you also need to feel it and you're, you need to be okay with it and everything. So I think, first of all, it's pretty, pretty good to communicate with them really open, like make sure what, what they will be doing <laughs> and also be like in kind of a position where you can figure out, okay, will this work or will this not work? So what I do like is I just love to talk to the models in the beginning, like, um, Sometimes I get like the numbers from the agencies or sometimes I book them directly and then I have like a good feeling, okay, this works <laughs> or okay, shit, this will not work. So, and then just be open, talk to them and also like on set and to just make sure that everyone is happy. So especially give them food. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it's yeah. such an important part, but Sometimes you're like in a real rush and then the light is getting nice and everything comes together. And like most important things, no one should be hungry <laughs> because when someone gets hangry, then it's like really difficult. And uh, yeah, I think communication, openness, um, yeah, food, good mood uh, is really important. Sorry about that. Yeah, now I can. Yeah. Sorry okay. about that. Okay. I'll have to. I'm just, gonna, I'm, just, I'm just taking notes right now on what, what time periods, um, times to cut out. Sorry. I need to go back in and edit this. Yeah. So it's all right. We're at the, it's in the beginning. And then it was at about 25 minutes. Cool. Um, I'm just going to assume you fin finished that thought. Um, and I think I know what you were saying based on yeah. the, the, the tangent you're going on. Okay. So I'm going to give another, sorry, sorry about that. I'm not sure if it's my Wi-Fi or your Wi-Fi, but it's also storming here. So it's probably yeah, something Yeah, same, same here actually, storming as okay. well. <laughs> yeah. So, so is that, is that, is that yeah. late summer, you know, yes. high humidity yes. near mountains in the plains? Yeah. So sorry about that. Um, okay. I'm going to wait a few seconds and then I'll jump into it again. So now that you've, learned all of you know these aspects of of doing highly complex productions and working with talent and working with people you know and so you feel comfortable kind of probably in most facets of of this world um do you have like a a dream shoot like a, maybe a, a dream location with a dream talent with like a dream company paying for it like what would that look like to you like what what is like an ideal future you know shoot look like so 
actually I just was thinking about this part some years ago and something nice turned like up for me it's like actually a client I have right now and I'm super grateful and I just yeah talking to them maybe to expand like sometimes on a different location but uh, I always wanted to work like in areas like the Dolomites and I have like I had like three shoots there last year so actually free com campaign shoots and then it's like a nice scenery it's like insane uh, panoramic views like everything pretty nice uh, yeah organized and that's something I'm really like uh, super stoked about and super grateful about and what could be also nice in the future is like working also on like different parts of the world like I would love to do a shoot in East Iceland actually <laughs> I never did and it's like really high on my list also with an outdoor client maybe and also for example something like Patagonia or yeah those kind of like more remote places in South America so it would be really cool as well yeah cool is are there any um other photographers that you currently look up to that you'd love to work with and collaborate with um like collaborate in what kind of way sorry for any, uh, any for way you want you know for sure I, I, any any way you want like um mm -hmm. you know whether it's uh you and them are working on a large project together or you mm -hmm. really like their work style and you want to um capture how they do work you know which okay. i think is always a fascinating yeah, way to do yeah. it so actually i saw that um i'm a big fan of alex Stroll. so yeah. i saw that he was like shooting a nice more lifestyle sports style orientated like campaign for salomon and that's something I'm really into. So it's like a bubble of uh, nice uh, mixtures and breaking up like mm -hmm. the classical uh, sports photography. And I really liked the pictures of him he took. And so he's a nice guy. He's doing great projects. So I would definitely just, I don't know, go on a ski tour with him, <laughs> ski yeah. tour and uh, yeah, check some he's... nice places. He's super nice. He actually just messaged me like five minutes ago when we were on the, on the podcast because <laughs> okay. I, I he was in the first issue and he's been on this podcast as well. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we were just talking logistics about something. But yeah, he, he's in France right now shooting for Solomon, which is pretty super nice, cool, which is nice. a super, yeah. super cool company, obviously, too. Yeah. Um, are there, are, I, I guess, I guess the next question is, so you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you pretty much completely just all it's all it's all still right you don't work on any kind of motion or film based projects right now do you not yet i've been like on like film sets to make like the still part of it <laughs> like the mm -hmm. um like basically on set no not no no like um next to like also for campaigns where they need like oh, basically yeah. the same key visuals like they took up with the film so I actually don't know the English word <laughs> in German. It's like Drehbegleiten, but um, you mm. just do like the same uh, for, uh, yeah, for photo. And that's why I'm like pretty like familiar with like the work on a big film set as well. Yeah. And I was thinking actually about going more into the maybe directing uh, kind That'd of awesome. way. 
yeah because i think um i i love like all the art directing thinking about like how the pictures should look like in the end and this would be a nice step for me i think hmm. yeah and and how do you think you'd break into that like do you would you use connections you already have would you yeah yeah i worked with or... like really nice uh dops like for some mm -hmm. project and maybe i can talk to one of them uh to just do like maybe a passion project a passion project and then just see how it brings or like what it brings <laughs> yeah yeah, that's that's that sounds sounds like it's going to be fun. Yeah, so I, I think there's that interesting world, and there's such a similarity in so many ways between, uh, you know, the motion world and the still world, but they're still so different. But I, you know, some of the best photographers I know went in to be a DOP, which is a director of photography for mm -hmm. those who are curious um, listening. <laughs> um, and sometimes people find their real calling. Like I had a friend who loved doing photography and just gave like film, like, you know, shooting motion a try and then get, got a DOP uh, kind of job on his friend's re really small film set, uh, you know, five or six years ago. And now he's, you know, one of the best DOPs in America um, on like smaller budget, you know, lots of, lots of commercials, lots of action sports, lots of car and automotive based things. And it's just, it's awesome to see, you know? Yeah. Um, he's a big Ari guy too. Um, but uh, it's uh it's cool. And, and so I, I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, your upbringing and how you started using a camera and how that, you know, introduced you to the ability to be able to kind of taste the water, so to speak, like put, dip your mm -hmm. feet in and see how it felt. Um, did, are your parents artistic? Like, did you, did you grow up with kind <laughs> of like a, a, you know, a push to do that? Or was this something that you kind of just know. picked up yourself? No, I picked up myself, I think, because my parents, like my father is like into physics and my mm. mother is a teacher. <laughs> so maybe like my mother is like more the creative part when it comes because she's doing like a lot of creative things with the uh, children at school as well. So I was mm. like a lot of like doing all these things when I was small, like painting, water painting and like those kind of things and I actually really enjoyed it or like comparing me to my sister it's like she she never wanted to do those things like painting and everything <laughs> um, so yeah I really enjoyed those kind of things when I was a kid but we never visited like different kind of art museums or anything so that that just was something which developed like in myself over the times and so yeah that's hmm. uh, yeah <laughs> that's that's cool and, and do you have any siblings uh a sister yeah sister and is sister. is, yeah. is she, are they creative or um, they work actually the... she she was like uh doing into the um science and moving um things and now she's a yoga teacher actually i just finished mm. her bachelor as well as in, uh, she did like sports science uh, for the bachelor and yeah she's a yoga teacher and now she's developing more and more of those creative I think like uh, yeah milestones as well and I gave her mm -hmm. like a lot of hey this works for me maybe this works for you as well <laughs> but, 
and cool. yeah so yeah and Not are you too close both, like yeah kind of so we don't see each other that much but i would say we're close Got it. Is she also based in Germany or is she based somewhere else in yeah. Europe? Or? Yeah, she's based in Germany, like uh, southern Germany next to uh, Lake of Constance. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, yeah, Constance. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. like Austria, Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. So speaking of the region, so I, I, some people listening will be very familiar with the topographical beauty that you'll mm-hmm. find in southern germany and switzerland and austria and that that whole region but basically like to people that understand you know from munich airport you can pretty much get into very different types of mountains within like a couple hours in each direction right mm-hmm. um True. do you have any do you have any favorite like weekend like short trips maybe a couple days yes. long any a place you'll yes, go like yes. where are those favorites <laughs> um it's definitely like the um, it's called Hohe Tauern National Park. It's like the high tower, Tauern. I don't know the mm-hmm. English, but I think it's like Hohe Tauern. <laughs> and it's like all from East Tyrol to like also, yeah, the regions around Salzburg. They, mm-hmm. That's where yeah. they start. And they also go to um, some like more Western to then like uh, South Tyrol. And it's like such a crazy national park, in my opinion, because there are like a, not like a lot of people because it's like not full of cable cars or anything. And you need to mm-hmm. hike up your way. You can you have like really nice mountain huts over there. You have glaciers, you have waterfalls, you have like everything, nice flowers <laughs> and uh, also animals. And then also, of course, I always used to go to the Dolomites also quite a nice area and i'm i just need to go to explore more like on the western alps like in france and Mm. some parts of switzerland i haven't been there that much but like everything around salzburg to um also south of salzburg i i knew everything (laughs) yeah it's it's a very, I mean, you said you, you live there for three years, so it makes yes, sense that, yes. you know, you know that whole region. Yeah, the, yeah. the Western Alps, um, you know, because I've actually been lucky enough to go, like, towards the Julian Alps in Slovenia mm-hmm. yeah. and, like, go to the yeah. eastern side, which is just stunning, right? Like, you Yeah, know, I've been there as well. It's it's super, like, also Slovenia. Definitely oh, yeah, Slovenia is, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't, so I went there for the first time, um, like may of last year and i was i was i I was in vienna and then i decided i said you know what i want to go to slovenia i want to go to that um national park they have there and i really didn't know what to expect um Mm -hmm. but when i showed up and i was driving up that like mountain road through that national park i said this this is probably one of the most underrated places in europe because like you know i've been like you probably have all over the alps all over the dolomites all over and there are some beautiful views but it was one of the best views I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, the, and there's maybe a couple hundred people there. And this is like a busy summertime, you know, it was yes, a weekend. Yes. That's, and it was kind of awesome. Yeah. That's, that's such a nice part about Slovenia as well, because I think sometimes it reminds me of, I've, I've never been to Alaska, but mm. I've been to Slovenia in the beginning of December when there was like the first snow over the highest mountains. And then you drive there, the super nice roads, and you see those mountains the, like on the far horizon, and you're like, oh my God, that's so stunning. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It, yeah, it looks fake. Definitely underrated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we we have I have this thing where I say like it looks kind of fake. Like it looks like someone like you know made and using mid journey or AI like the most crazy <laughs> beautiful mountain range. You're like how is this yeah. real? Like no one no one comes here, right? And that's yeah. the yeah. and so when I posted photos on my on my Instagram story, people were like, "Oh my god, where is that?" And I was like, "It's Slovenia." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Where?" Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, my uh, my girlfriend and I we actually hiked up last summer to that pretty famous um like yeah yeah the yeah yeah, that's uh, pod scudo have you been Mm -hmm. up there yeah i've been there twice like in winter and in summer or like winter must be yeah winter was tough (laughs) yeah i bet so we took the super steep route up um Mm -hmm. you know there's like the two routes there's the one that's lots of switchbacks and there's the one that's like Mm -hmm. basically up the chicane Um, yeah yeah that was that's that's like a hike where you know, obviously it's, you know, you don't have any ropes. There's no mm-hmm. guiding, but like you're mm-hmm. scrambling most of the entire time. Uh, yeah. You know? It's, it's, I, I actually just know this way. And I always told, tell friends like, yeah, you can go there, but just make sure it, this is like a high alpine, like, like location. So, <laughs> um, you just, yeah, it's like not an easy hike actually. No, it's it's it's, it's not only is it not easy at all. Yeah, it's yeah, super it's hard. Super super steep and yeah, also no water in, in summer actually. So you mm-hmm. have to bring enough. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, luckily we came prepared and luckily we started early enough because we were like the uh we got there probably around like two or three, like fifteen hundred in the afternoon. Yeah. Um and we were only like the fourth and fifth people in there, but it started filling up quickly after that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then there were a couple of people that showed up super late and it was windy and it was kind of storming at the night. So it was us and a French <laughs> couple, is, a German couple yeah, and a Swiss a couple. Location. And then there was like a bunch of local Slovenians <laughs> so, and they just wanted to party. They wanted to like yeah. smoke cigarettes and drink okay. beer and make food. And we're all just trying to sleep. And so it was very, very funny, but you know, they're, they're nice guys. So, um, but a lot of people go there and then they go and summit in the morning and then come back down. Um, yeah. For a day tour. Yeah for a day tour yeah so i just kind of tell people out there like there's so many more beautiful there's so many beautiful places in europe um all around and you could take a train to most of them so which is except slovenia slovenia is not a train friendly country um but austria actually yeah very remote yeah but like you know so if someone wants to go to salzburg and even fly into munich or even over flying to france or italy like you can pretty much get anywhere you want to by train it's super easy yeah um but the western alps so near you know france italy switzerland like that kind of where they meet near mont blanc um mm-hmm. that's an area that i've wanted to spend more time for a long time i i was i was supposed to do the tour de mont blanc last year nice. um which for people listening who aren't aware um is a hundred mile about 160 kilometer big circular loop around the base of Mont Blanc and it goes through France and Italy and then Switzerland um mm-hmm. or yeah depending on which order you 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 hike but um yeah I ended up I ended up starting it and then I I was coming down with a cold but I didn't know I was and I didn't realize I was no. getting sick mm-hmm. until I went I was like eight hours into doing it and I was like <laughs> I can't I can't go yeah. finish so I ended up going yeah. down and taking the train back to Geneva but yeah yeah it sucked it's beautiful though it's it was it was stunning it's it's hard because the big time, of year, the best time of year to go is when they have that race, the, yeah. the yeah, ultra the, marathon race. Yeah, the ultra. Mm-hmm. 
and that's crazy. But the cool thing about it is people are like, oh, it's there. The race only lasts for two days because most of the people finish in under, you know, 24 hours. You know, yes. it's, it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever, have you ever thought about doing some kind of shoot with that? I think that'd be so cool filming athletes that are, you know. Yeah. Like, yes. But, but I think like, I'm not like too good for it because I, I have like also some friends who are like, uh, ultra runners and photographers <laughs> and I think they do like a much better job than I would do like on such an event so I think I'm actually more like yeah kind of doing documentary work like in just like mm. for example to portray like a nice mountain guide who's doing a nice uh, tour or anything kind of this direction and not uh, this uh, race kind of thing, <laughs> actually. So it, I, I really like it. I also watched like, I think two trail runners did like a full uh, one hour uh, YouTube video about their run. <laughs> and I watched mm-hmm. it because I really like it. And, but I think not for taking photos and uh, yeah. Hmm. And have you ever, <laughs> considered getting into like conservation work maybe working with more animals or or kind of protecting lands or things like that no not at all i think i actually i've been on safaris in africa also Mm -hmm. and it's i think the most meditating thing you can do (laughs) and i really like it but i think with wildlife photography i would open another complete different kind of or like um, area of photography and I think I'm fine with what I'm doing <laughs> and yeah, it would be no, like a total yeah uh, switch yeah 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 and I actually well, to me, I, was, I was just curious I, re- yeah. I really love like working with people I think that's like the most I hmm. I love to talk to them to get to know what else you want to do and yeah so that's yeah awesome. that's the part yeah for sure so where, when you travel, maybe with your partner or by yourself, with your friends or your family, do you still bring a camera with you? And how, how does your photography change when you're like in a personal setting versus like a work setting? Yeah. So for work, I like most of the like commercial work I'm doing is like on a Sony A1 actually, mm-hmm. uh, because it's like just the work house and you can always rely on it no matter like how many pictures you're firing. So uh, yeah <laughs> and then for like most of my documentary work creative work also like personal projects and when I travel it's like mostly Leica and for like more I think creative projects it's the Leica SO2 and when I am like on I think holidays just or like going somewhere just for me then it's like mostly like a M or like a Q2. It always depends. Like when I go hmm. on a super lightweight hike or trail run or anything, um, yeah. it's always like a Q2 or for ski touring. I always had like the like a Q2 with me because I have a camera and it's like pretty good. If also when it's getting wet or <laughs> if anything. Yeah. Um, so. That's the, I think, most go-to camera or like my most used camera over the years Mm -hmm. for all the different kind of projects. And what I also started is like going more analog when I like 
just on holidays to capture, I don't know, four to five films and just come come home with like selected pictures and then you don't have to edit anything from the holidays. You just go to a lab and you get the pictures back. So yeah, I really That's like awesome. currently, yeah. Yeah, so, so you're shooting always a mixture of like film and digital then for yes. personal stuff, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you have a preferred, so you shoot with a Leica M, what, what film are you saying? Um, mostly Kodak Pot uh, 400 or actually awesome. Kodak yeah. Gold, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, so, I mean, in America we have, some. sometimes it's super easy to get film, sometimes it's mm -hmm. super difficult to get film. I'm guessing you have the same problem over there in Germany. Um, yes. <laughs> super difficult, super expensive. So that's why yeah. I actually stick a lot to the Kodak Gold because you can um, go to one of the discounter in Germany mm -hmm. and they still sell it as a pack of free. <laughs> and oh, that's awesome. Actually, for like most of the holiday snaps, it's totally fine for me. So then that's it's great. Also, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's not Good definitely compromise. as high quality as Portra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Portra is you know probably the gold standard. Uh, yeah. Ironically, not called gold. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so in the states here, if if you buy it on Amazon here and you get a five pack, it averages out to be with tax probably about um, fifteen to sixteen yeah. to seventeen euro yes. per yes. roll of film. Yeah. Same um, yeah. And then when you develop it, it's double that. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, do you use a local lab in Munich to develop, or do you send it out to someone national? Or um, how do you I send it them? to someone national, like most of the time to Hamburg. Um, cool. Yeah, but they there was like a nice lab in Munich, but it just closed during COVID, so That's I too bad. didn't find <laughs> any other place. Uh, but mm. yeah. Okay. It's did um, did you when when you to get film developed are you someone that likes to let the natural color of film come through or do you do any kind of um like changes in the scanning process to like push or pull or change colors or anything like that or you just like it to be you know what the camera sees mm, most of the time it's like what the camera sees kind mm. of but i yeah. was like really picky picky with like the lab i was choosing as well <laughs> mm -hmm. because sometimes i think there are like also yeah, a little variation between the labs and how the scans look yeah. like in the end. And so I tried different labs and ended up like with one in the end, which was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I get the files and I'm like super happy with, I don't know, 90% of the pictures. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. 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 That's all you want. And I tell people it's like, I have, I have friends who will buy a nice film camera, pay for mm -hmm. Portra, and then go find the cheapest place to get it developed. And it's like, yeah, what are you doing? No, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. not working. <laughs> no, yeah. No. yeah. yeah. I, I go to a place in the States called Richards, um, and they're like a, they're based in California, but they mm -hmm. you can just ship it to them nationally. And they even let you choose which scanner you want to use. Like not only yeah, can you like, nice. you're like, nice. yeah. yeah, but, but you know, some people are like, I just want film. And it's like, that's fine. But if you're someone who's doing a lot of film, you want to, you know, sometimes I'll say when at first I wanted, I wanted them to use all the three different scanners they had. So I could see the difference. Cause like, I don't know what nice. a different yeah. scanner is going to yeah. look like. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And do you, so do you ever print them or do you just, you get the scans and they use those scans or how is your process of kind of archiving them? Um, I also print them sometimes. So I have like the, also a printer at home. 
but it really depends so if it's just like a random film I shot <laughs> or if it's like a really nice one so I did a nice um, personal project in Cape Town and I also shot like I think three rolls of film for this one and then I also um, created a contact sheet printed it and scanned again so also with an Epson scanner for I, I love to um, yeah, have like different stages sometimes to print something, then to, I don't know, mix it up again. So cut it and lay it down on like in different variations, scan it again, print it again. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like using those tools yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So in terms of like photography and creativity overall, like where where do you see your career going in the next like five to ten years? I think I'm really good right now into uh, to just going into the classical advertisement market, which is pretty fine because uh, that's like what pays the bills, kind of. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's also nice um, with what people you get to work, like also international crews, uh, nice models, and like really high end stuff or like in some parts like campaigns with a lot of like um yeah like everything just works out and you're you're there and it's it's like pretty nice to get involved in those processes and in the end i also want to go for these projects to also um, finance like uh, commercial work I, uh, documentary work i want to do mm -hmm. and um yeah to I think a mixture of having those creativity flowing in <laughs> and when I also talk about commercial work I also work talk about like also outdoor clients and campaigns in this kind of uh, scenarios uh, but all, always with a breathing where I'm not like completely free in the end of course and that's why yeah I think the mixture between both um, would be super nice and like the good balance <laughs> kind of yeah yeah the balance of creativity with yeah. well-paying yeah. and, yeah. and and eventually yeah. you know you you get the, the dream goal at any creative right is to yes. work on the exact products you want to yes. that yes. also pay you very well right yes. like that, that's yes. the <laughs> and that's and where, have, where i yeah. see right now with my outdoor clients because i just love being outdoors i love to go yeah. to the mountains and to just work in those salaries, it's like not stressful at all for me. It's like more stressful to be in a studio with 30 people <laughs> where there's no fresh air. And <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I rather go like on a work hike, <laughs> which is pretty exhausting sometimes with everything picked, but uh, yeah, pretty nice in the end. Yeah, I mean, it could be worse, right? Like in yeah. terms of, yeah. you know, <laughs> it yeah. always can be worse. So <laughs> yeah. that's always good to find what you want to do. So um, I know that we have kind of a limited time today. Mm -hmm. um, so I will I get you out of here on a couple rapid fire questions. Um, and so you can answer these in as few or as many words as you'd like. Okay. Um, and uh, we'll just kind of see where it goes. So is there a certain sound that you associate with happiness? I think it's like more of a scenic, melodic and like, yeah, like positive uh, instrumental sound. And mm. yeah, 
not not too much like uh, pop music or yeah more like the um yeah um melodic <laughs> thing yeah got it is um is is there a story that your family or parents like to tell about you Maybe when Fun you were a question. kid or growing up or <laughs> like like a story what I did or like a Yeah, story. yeah, exactly. Yeah, something that you did maybe as a kid that was funny or Yeah. Uh, it was like two two days before Easter. It was like um and also a big uh, celebration into our family. And I was like silently in the uh, sleeping room of my parents and my mother had like a big mirror and I I had a time when I just loved to um yeah to to just color myself up in the face with like the, the watercolors i was um painting with and then i was just going over my face and then there were my my hair like on the like of course the upper part and because i had like um brackets yeah mm-hmm. back then <laughs> and then i was just cutting my brackets off <laughs> to <laughs> to just be like easier with coloring my face and then i was going yeah. to my mother hey look what i did it looks so nice and she was like oh no we have this big celebration and <laughs> uh, my hair looked like like from another planet and this was really that's awesome fun. yeah and how old were you i think four or something like okay, cool. three or four yeah yeah so your hair was fine and recoverable and people thought it yeah. was cool so yeah yeah um if you had a, a billion i'll make it euros um that you couldn't spend in yourself or your family is there a problem that you'd like to try and help solve yeah i think there would be like uh, a lot of problems <laughs> but uh, i think there are like two sides so i traveled a lot through uh, South Africa, Namibia, and like those parts, and I think there's one problem which is like depending like on a lot of project problems, and it's like the problem with electricity. So mm. yeah, people are not able to I don't know um, have like good medical care or like have like good um, like a good base for even create something to I don't know sell products create their own lives or anything so um that's a big problem i think because also on this you can have like water filters and everything so that's a huge thing i think and also um with all the glacier work which i'm really fascinated about like in with like in the alps um like there are a lot of scientists and also like young people coming after those topics and mm-hmm. i think there's also like uh, really nice projects to support because i also met a glacier scientist a few months ago and uh, yeah she's like super passionate about her work but um she's on an italian university and they don't have like a lot of money to actually go there mm. on a regular basis to just follow up uh, on all the scientific work so yeah important topic and also yeah yeah, all hugely important topics yeah um if you could send a single push notification to everyone's phone in a given area 
where would it be and what would you say? Also the area. So yeah. So like yeah. if you if you could just notify everyone in a given area and say something to them so it like it would show up on their phone right away. Like what would you want to tell them? So um I think it would be Germany. <laughs> and I would send them a push to um actually to <laughs> which says don't be that German. So <laughs> it it was the biggest learning for me actually to just move out of Germany for three years now. And it was in the beginning, I was just like, like a lot of people just talked to me, hey, oh my God, you're so German. I hear the sentence like, fucking, <laughs> like, like a lot of times in Austria. And I was like, okay, is it so different here? And in the end, yeah. I, I just realized it's like the small little things. And now when I just moved back to Germany, I was like, okay, shit. <laughs> yeah, you Sometimes noticed all I, I'm just saying they're, they are so charming. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's not the answer you were just uh, were looking for, but yeah, that's it's perfect. Like, that's, it's that's it's just like totally fits like uh, my current situation, and hmm. it's actually something I'm struggling a little bit right now. And it's like so funny when you just step some sometimes outside to have another view on something, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, America has the same problem. You know, I, yeah. I tell people a lot, like, stop being so American, right? You know, yeah. it's like, there's certain yeah. things that we just do that we think are okay yeah. and cool, but we shouldn't be. And I think that, yeah, you know, having and, and sometimes studied there, just, yeah. It, it comes with a lot, a little bit of more ease or, I don't know, so also to be a little bit more friendly when you enter <laughs> a bakery or For a sure. supermarket and like the small things and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is that like brutal efficiency of German culture yes. that does kind of get yeah. very annoying after a while. We're like, I just want to like, <laughs> you know, I just want someone to smile at me and say hi and not yeah. go right to the point. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, German, Germans are a fascinating subset <laughs> of the population. Have, having like had lots of German friends and, and family members yeah. and, you know, studied there. It's just, it's, it was, it was interesting because like I would be in Germany for a few weeks studying abroad and then I would go to like France for a weekend and I'd be like oh like I forgot people could be friendly yeah. you know um, <laughs> it's, not it's not that it's that, cold that hard, but, yeah. but sometimes um, yeah it's like present and it's like really funny to see actually so well yeah, yeah I mean yeah I mean so, so my German isn't good and was never very good when I was living there um, but there were a couple times that, you know, people could speak very good English, but they just didn't care to because they just didn't like the idea of not speaking German, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so very, very kind of upright, right? Um, so cool. Well, on that note, um, is there anything else you'd like the audience to go take a look at or go see or spend time with before we get you out of here? Um. I think I can give you in the end like a couple of links you can put down yeah, it will do. um, next to the cool. red book uh, and little picture and yeah, maybe sure. there's something coming up soon like a nice story in September and maybe we can uh, share it in the yeah. end as well. So Absolutely. yeah, I think cool. Just I think you have a nice um, eye for choosing people for your podcast. I really like like. Thank you. The people you had in the podcast so i think uh the followers can definitely check out like all the other artists so i did and i like kind of um like magazines or 
um, podcasts or like those kind of things to inspire myself. And I think it always helps. And yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the kind words and I'm sure people listening will also you know appreciate that. So I will link um, everything that Carolyn sends me below in the show notes so you all can see that. Um, but if everyone else, uh, hope you all had a good time listening to us chat and I hope you all have a good rest of your day and Carolyn will talk shortly. Yes. Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation between myself and Carolyn Unrath. You can find her online at Carolyn, C-A-R-O-L-I-N, Unrath, U-N-R-A-T-H. And you can find me as always at Rob is Lost or at Rob Auchincloss. I hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day. Goodbye.